Let's pray this morning for your pastor. Father, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you that you are in this place. Father, that you pour out your mercy and you pour out your grace in our lives. Father, that we abide in your love. And Father, as we abide in you, you abide in us. And we thank you, Father, for your word today. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing from beginning to end in this service. Father, we give you our hearts and our lives. And if you would agree with that, you'd say amen, amen. You may be seated. God is good, huh? Amen. Sorry for all you Carrie Job lovers. At least I'm not drowning chipmunks anymore. I mean, so for some of you who have been here a while, you know, I'm not doing that. So uh, there's hope for me. Aubrey Callahan, uh, she's here in the middle. Wave your hand, Aubrey. She's headed to uh, Honor Academy uh, this next fall in August, and uh, she just wants to have a little spaghetti dinner to raise some funds. Bill, your granddaughter's going too, I think. Uh, isn't she going? Jordan's taking off, and she's going with her. So we've got a couple of them going to Honor Academy. It's good stuff. We've got young people going all over the place. There's a bake sale out here that uh, they're selling stuff for Acquire the Fire. We've got uh, little Hassett, Faith Hassett's headed to Australia. I might hijack her trip. I've always wanted to go to Australia. So uh, she's headed to Australia. There's a lot happening uh, in the church right now with the young people. So we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, it's good stuff. I wanted to just share with you uh, uh, just a little bit today about, about the word that says how much. And I, you know, I, I titled the message how much. And really, I think as we begin to talk about measuring and really limiting God uh, in our lives, I think the other side of that coin is we measure and limit how much we'll give or how much we'll do or how much we'll, we'll be for God in the places that he called us to be. And there's a little bit of a progression. Last year, we, last, last, year last week, we talked about buying the field. And if you weren't here, I would encourage you to get online, check that out, that message as we talked about the, the message in Matthew chapter 6, the verse that said that this man found a treasure in the field and he went out and he sold everything that he had and he bought the entire field so that, that, that he could not just find the treasure, not just have the treasure, but he could be assured. And it begins, that scripture begins by saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And this man knew that there was treasure there, but he didn't go dig and find and he didn't just put his shovel over his back and his miner's helmet on and and go out and just hunt for the treasure, he bought the whole field. And that we talked about, that if we'll give our life, if we'll buy our field, and whether that means the field in which he's called you to work in today, or the mission field, the people that are in that field that he's called you to, I believe it's kind of a, a two-prong message. That he has called you to do something at the moment, but he has also called you to someone in that same moment. And that your field can be the place where he's called you to be, but also part of that field and the harvest that you're bringing in isn't finances for you and your house, but the harvest that we're bringing in is souls. And I want to share just a little bit because in the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about, three or four weeks we're going to talk about some stuff, and I really truly believe it's for this church, and I'll get to it here in a minute. But today I wanted to just share with you a little bit about do you believe that God's going to do something big in your life? I mean, I mean bigger than what we can think. See, and that, that, I think many times we as believers, we, we, we head down that path. We start going that direction, that God can do big things. But when we sit around and we really begin to, to meditate that, when we really begin to ponder what he's speaking or saying to us, maybe what we saw one day with our eyes closed as we worshiped and God began to show us some kind of vision of what we might be doing or where we might be. And we begin then to take that and we try to put it in our measuring system. We measure everything in this world in which we live. We measure everything. We have scales because we're measuring weight, which by the way, I'm headed toward five pounds lost. I put on my microphone today and it wasn't touching my face. I thought it was bent. 
so there won't be as many of these going on. Because my face isn't as fat. I don't know how that worked. Maybe I lost a couple pounds out of my cheeks. I didn't realize I was that big. But I can't even make it touch. Look at that. That's pretty good. Now, maybe Corey broke in and bent it for me. I don't know. But I feel better. So keep bending it if that's the case. We have measuring cups to cook with. We have tape measures to measure things with. We have cost to measure the value of something. See, we, we determine how much we'll sacrifice for something by the cost and what it means to us. When I was waiting on tables for all those years and bartending and doing all those things, it made it real easy for me to buy stuff because I knew that meant so many shifts of being nice to somebody. That I was going to have to take somebody's crap for so many shifts and be nice and polite because I wanted this particular coat or I wanted this particular tie or whatever it might be. And I knew that it didn't didn't equate to money to me. It equated to being really nice to people that were mean to me. We, we measure everything. We ha- you have an idea already what you are capable of doing. Whether it's schoolwork, I mean, you know, many kids come into school and they tell me right away, I'm not good at math. They've already determined what their limits were when they came into my classroom those years ago. I'm not good at math. I'd say, stop saying that. You haven't had me as a teacher yet. Well, I must have had bad teachers. Well, stop saying that too, but it makes me feel better. See, we already know when God begins to speak to us something, we already know that that we're inadequate. Now, how do we know that we're inadequate? Because we've already seen stuff. We already know stuff. We've seen stuff happen in somebody else's life, and we know that, you know what, I can't do what that person did, so it would be impossible for God to move in my life that way. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You're not the same person as the person on your left or the person on your right. See, we don't have the same giftings. We don't have the same talents. If we'll stop limiting God in our life, he'll be able to do the unlimited in our life. When he begins to talk to us about giving and he begins to talk to us about our finances, what we have to realize is really truly, he wants to pour out an immeasurable amount of blessing in our life. Doesn't it say in Malachi chapter 3 that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that what? We cannot contain. But yet I begin to think about how much that needs to be. I measure it. I put a limit on it. I begin to think about, well, this much might be more than I could handle. I talked to Mark on Wednesday night, and he happened to say to me, you know, uh, I said, can I do anything for you, or you need anything? He said, well, you give me a million dollars. I said, well, I wish I could. <laughs> but he said, I'd probably give most of that back to the church. I don't know what to do with it. I said, well, brother. Go out there and get a lottery ticket. You know, you never know, man. It's, keep, keep it coming in. See, but, 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 you know, when we start thinking about, yeah, give me $100 million. Give me $10 million. When Bill talked to Pastor Stanley and said, what could you do with $50,000? What could you do with $100,000? Now he's beginning to share with him and talk to him about this idea. What could you do with a million dollars? And Pastor Stanley, where he lives, thinks, ho, 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 ho. I don't have any idea. I don't know what I would do. Well, what would you do with $10 million? See, what would you do in your life if money weren't an option? What if God made it? See, what if the treasure in the field for you, your family, your life, whatever that is, you decided to buy the whole field? What if in that case you stopped chasing money and you started chasing God and God made money chase you? See, not just enough to pay your mortgage, not just enough to pay your rent, not just enough to pay your car payment, not just enough to pay your health bills, not just enough to pay whatever that particular fee is for school or whatever it is. But I'm talking about how about the windows of heaven open above you that pour out a blessing that you cannot contain more than you can think. Stop thinking about what you need monetarily wise because that's limiting God and his power to pour out his abundance. 
You can clap, you can shout, you can do all those kind of things when good stuff happens and you want to take and receive that word. We've talked about that before. It's good stuff. Now be encouraged, I'm telling you. This, this, is, this, is going to be, this is a message that we're heading into, I believe, to help us get to the point where, we, we, where, where God wants us to be. And this particular message of how much, I, I don't even realize, I didn't realize until God began to share this with me and I began to hear these, these scriptures and, and some other people talking and sharing about some of this stuff and I began to think, oh my goodness, I think I limit God all the time. When people you know, say something, we are living with a group of kids, and I'll talk about, about kids here in a little bit. We're living with a generation of young people who, 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 who are just wild dreamers. I mean, they, they, they are wild dreamers. And here's the thing that sets them apart from the dreamers that came before them, I think. They don't care about anything for themselves. I've been saying this for a long time. This generation wants to make a difference in the world, and they don't necessarily care. See, they're not out to change the world so that they can reap a blessing or a financial windfall. They're just out to change the world to be as part of something that's bigger than them. And they're dreaming gigantic. And I think that we have a tendency sometimes to help them measure what God really truly can do in their life. And we begin to tell them the reasons and the ways that might not happen. Now we say, I'm just trying to give you all the information so that you can make an informed decision. I think what I need to do is teach you about faith, trusting God, and following after His word and His voice. Then you will make the right decision that you have to make. Now, that's right. There is wisdom and counsel and those kind of things. But even I have in my life as the pastor, I, I, I hear something or God begins to show me something and immediately I can, I, I can talk to people or share with people and I begin to hear all the reasons why that won't happen, why those things won't go down. I begin to think, when God begins to say stuff to me, oh, man, I, you know, that'd be great. See, how many of you said, well, that'd be great, but... See, you're limiting God. If but is in your vocabulary there, you're limiting God. When God begins to speak to you, and you begin to kind of get an agreement with Him, but then you begin to tell Him why that won't work or why that won't happen, He, he just throws up His hands. So we can't put ourselves in that position. In Zechariah, if you go there, and it's chapter 2. It's verses 1 through 5. And she's going to put it on the board here for us to read. As you turn there, you know, I will tell you this. This will cause you, you will have to put your hand to the plow before you see the abundance that God has for you. Just like we talked about last week, you have to buy the field or you're going to have to be involved without limits if you're going to receive blessing from God without limits. So you have to be willing to give up all of your life to receive all of his life. Noah built a boat when there wasn't any rain because God said, I'm about to do something. And it said he moved with haste and he built this boat. It wasn't a dinghy that he built. It was a super tanker. It held two of every animal. It held all of his family. He moved, it said, with haste to build this boat. Why? Because God said. You can say he did it because God said it was going to rain, but he didn't even know what rain was. God said, I'm about to destroy the earth. I need you to build a boat. Build me a boat. And he said, okay, I'll build it. Before it ever came, he bought into what God said. And because he did, there was an immeasurable amount of God's blessing that was poured onto him and to his family, to his children and his children's children. We're all a great result of his great obedience. 
Elisha, when they were looking for rain, he told the people in 2 Kings chapter 3, he told them, dig trenches, get out and dig ditches. And they said, what are you talking about? I'm in the middle of a valley and a field. There's no water from anywhere. It hadn't rained in God knows how long. And he said, get up and dig ditches. And then if you read that passage of Scripture and that portions of Scripture there, it actually says that after he said that in the evening, in the morning, God caused floods to come and to fill the land. And everybody looked around and said, holy smokes, God will tell you what to do before he sends you the abundance. But if you want to reason it away and you want to limit God and what that abundance might be, they could have said, why do I need a trench? There's not been water forever. I'll just get a bucket and if he rains, I'll put it outside. There is a flood coming and a trench was for irrigation for the fields and for their family and for their life. And if they didn't dig the trenches, then what would they do with all of the water when it came? See, God wants to pour out. We say, let it rain in my life. Open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. Yet like you're, we're, many times we're like I was all those years ago when I shared that message dressed up in the raincoat with the rain boots and the dinghy behind the dam, the dam of, you know, all those things if you were here. It's hard to re-preach the message to the same people, but, you know, I was all dressed up, had an umbrella, and we cry out to God, send the rain. Yet we're doing everything in our power not to be, in, not to be ready for the rain. But as we move from buying the field to today asking ourselves, how much is too much? How much is too much for God? How much is too much for me? And then we move into this idea that says, God, I believe that you're going to let the sun stand still over my life, not so that I can have all of these blessings, but so that I can accomplish the things that you called me to do in this earth. In Zechariah chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And after this, there was a feast for the Jews. And I'm, not, I'm in John. I'm not even in Zechariah. Where is that? Then I raised my eyes and looked. We better go back and read John 5, though. That might be for somebody. And then we raised my eyes and we looked. And behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. He went out. This story is about a man who was going out to measure. And it says, so I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what its width and what its length is. See, and in our life, I think many times, we we decide that when God begins to speak to us, we're going to go out there, we're going to check out the situation. We're going to survey it. And man plans his ways and God directs his steps. So I'm not saying that this this is a... A, a situation where we're not going to see all the things that God has for us and we're not going to have to plan our ways. But I will say this, God directs your steps. Don't get so hung up in the plan. Be able to move when God says move. Be able to do when God says do. Begin to say when God says say. If you'll do that with your life, if we'll give ourselves completely and wholly to him without limits in our life, he will pour out a blessing in our life without limits. It says, and there was an angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, who said to him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without what? Without walls. Because of the multitude of the men and the livestock in it. Now realize, we'll stop there and we'll go on, but it it says that it'll be a city without walls because of all of the people in it and the livestock. It goes back to a little bit of this Genesis situation and where are these days? Like in Genesis chapter 13 where Abraham and Lot had to separate from each other because the land was not able to sustain all they had. But God said to Abram, get out of your house, away from your family, move out into a land in which I'm telling you. And he moved out into this land. It said he grabbed Lot, his nephew, and he moved out, and he went wherever God said. 
He didn't, it didn't say that, that he already had a kid. It didn't say any of that. It said he put his hand to the plow before any of that happened. And because of his obedience, God blessed him. And he and Lot had so much that they couldn't even live in the same place because the land couldn't sustain it. That's without measure. And you go back and you go to Genesis 36 and it talks about Jacob and Esau and how you know, they had their own problems. But, but they had, it says, it actually says in there that they had so much that they couldn't live together, that they had to separate because the land could not sustain them. Now think about really truly in your life, just financially for a moment, because that's what they're talking about. They're talking about goods. That's their finances. They were so rich and they had so much stuff that they couldn't even reside in the same place. Think about if Malachi 3, chapter 10, actually came to pass. Well, this is a different day. No, it's not. Same God. See, it said when they were building the temple, they had too much. When they were building the tabernacle, they had too much. See, they, all, they always had too much stuff. When they asked the people to come to build the, to build the temple, they said, whoa, whoa, you got, you got to stop giving. <laughs> we got too much. Let it be unto us. You know what that says? That doesn't say the church is blessed. It says the people who make up the church are blessed because that stuff comes from all of you. I'd be excited about that. That the windows of heaven would open up and he would pour out a blessing in your life that you cannot what? Contain. Say without measure. No limit. No limit in our life. Without measure. Now look in John. Sorry, Mark chapter 6. I want to keep going back to John. Come on Wednesday night, we'll talk out of John. Because <laughs> we're going to share about friendship. Continue talking about Jesus being our friend and a little bit about us and our friendship and those kind of things. We've got another week to go in that. This Wednesday is also uh, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent as we move into Easter and Palm Sunday. But in Mark chapter 6, let me show you here because this is important. Don't limit God in what he wants to do in your life. Not with your mentality, not with your... See, I think sometimes we say, God, I'll give you this much. Well, that limits what he can do in your life. See, people say, well, I'm tithing. Is it 10%? No, then you're not tithing. Quiet. Now, I will tell you this. Get to that point. Start somewhere. Hey, man, 2%, 4%, whatever it is. But if you want this, when, see, it, it, this is a, God is a God of, of uh, I'm telling you, promise and condition. If you want the windows of heaven opened up over your house where he pours out a blessing you cannot contain, you have to read the first part of the scripture that says bring your tithes into the storehouse. Now, we'll go away from that for a minute. Give you a minute to suck that in. It's important. It is important in your life. I love you too much to not say that, to not talk about that. I care about you too much, what God wants to do in your life. I really, truly believe this is going to be a year like none other, like we've talked about. Harvest financially, as we talked about, but also just harvest in your life. That you're going to see souls in the kingdom of God change because you did something in your life, not because you go to Victor Christian Center. But look at this in Mark. It says, then he went out there, and he's talking about Jesus because it's capital H. Then he went out from there, and he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. 
And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which, which he was given him? And with uh, such mighty works performed by his hands. Now they began to limit him because of who he was and where he came from. The people in that particular area began to put limits on him. They began to measure him. They began to say, Is this not the carpenter? Is this not Mary's son? Is this not the brother of? Is this, aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? Is this just not the normal dude? Now, you begin to put limits on what God can do in your life. Well, he can't possibly help me in my family. My situation is too jacked up. Yes, he can. You begin to put limits on it, and he can't. You begin to measure how much with what he can do in your life. You'll begin, you'll begin to get measured. And if you go on here and you begin to read, because they begin to talk about him a little bit, they begin to say that. And in verse 5 it says, Now he could do nothing, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. It's with that same measure that you give, let it be measured back to you. And if you're going to walk in unbelief by measuring God and his ability to bless you in your life, then you're going to be measured in what you end up with. For sure. If you're going to measure what you will do for him in your life, what you will give in your life, whether you'll buy the field or a corner of the field and hope for the best, then you'll begin to be blessed by measure too. And I don't want to be blessed by measure and neither do you. If you turn the page and you continue on, it's the story of feeding the 5,000 in verse 30. Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, what do we have, and what did they do? They responded with measure, we have this many loaves and this many fishes. And it's not God, Jesus, Son of God, in this place. What do you want to do with this, and how will you take this and feed all these people? What they said was, how could all of these people eat from just such little? They measured it. They put a limit on it. Because of their thinking and what the loaves and the fishes meant, that was a boy's lunch. And so they said, really, truly, how could this feed all of these people? So what Jesus began to do and realize, he wasn't standing in Nazareth where it said he didn't do any mighty works. This was outside of the town, outside of the city. And the people followed him there, which meant they saw him differently, I believe, than the ones who in the synagogue and in the place where he was said, isn't this just the guy? And through this miracle, he not only fed all those people, but he brought up 12 baskets full. And then he gets in his boat and he takes off. And if you go to verse 53, it says, When they had crossed over, they came to a land in Gennesaret. And they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And they ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. What were they doing? They were coming to him without measure. They were coming to him without limit and saying, I know who you are, and I know you can heal, and we're going to bring all of our sick to you. And what did he do? It says, he healed all who were sick. Don't have to lay hands on me like the centurion. You don't have to come to my house. Just let me touch the hem of your garment, because if I do that, I'll be made well. Their faith level was without limits, and God reached them in that moment through Jesus Christ without limits. Do you want it without limits? See, do you want to see it without limits? When you limit God, it says, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God who has come into the earth to do great and miraculous things, 
And it says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, it says, because of their unbelief. Don't get caught in unbelief. When you begin to tell God why that can't happen, when you begin to think how, see, I think sometimes I begin to think how it could happen. I'm limiting God. See, I'm a smart guy. God tells me something. I begin to think this is how it could happen. (laughs) How, How many have had that really go that way? How many of us, man, as smart as we are for our own life, we decided that it needed to go this way. And it, God, this would be the best way for you to bless me. And I see you doing it this way. And if that one doesn't work, you, I can see you doing it this way. And, oh, you might not want to try it that way because, God, it won't work because of this, this, and this. And then if you'll really, truly just be obedient, because none of that stuff ever works. It's when I forget about all that stuff and just worship who he is that all of a sudden he comes out of left field somewhere. But i got to stop figuring it out. This is a generation of acceleration, I believe that. Do you truly believe 2 Corinthians 9.8? Put that up there, will you please, Donna? It says really in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound to you that you would have all sufficiency and have an abundance for every good work think about that and god is able to make all grace abound to you what do we need more in our life besides his mercy and his love and the blood of christ that set us free we need his grace to be able to perform in this world without limits And it says that the God of all heaven and all universe who has no beginning and has no end, he has no left bound and he has no right bound. It goes on for eternity that that God who has no measure and has no limits wants to pour out into your life grace without limits, grace without measure, so that you and your life then in turn can walk with him without limits and without measure. And I'm telling you, if you can dream it, if God has put it in your heart, you can do it. Don't squelch the dreamers. Don't squelch them. I got two of them. I've tried to squelch them both. (laughs) I've learned, take your hands off. I've learned God's going to do some stuff. That he didn't do it the way that I did it. He's going to do some stuff in people's lives. I got some people coming to me and telling me stuff. And I really have to fight. And I really have to fight. Because I want to say, man, that is the craziest thing I ever heard. But what if... What if? See, that's why you train young people. That's why we need to train this generation. That's why we need to train you and you and you and you to be led by the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit of God put this thing in your heart, then I am telling you, He will pull it. He will bring it out. And it will be without measure if you give your life to Him without measure. What if He was waiting for some kid to come and to have that kind of dream and to have that kind of vision and not just to have it, but have the boldness to chase after what God had for him, regardless of what everybody else thought, to go a different path than what everybody else did, to do it a different way than everybody else had because God's about to do a new thing in some kid's life and to change the world because somebody would rise up and say, I'll do it, regardless of the cost. All sufficiency in all things. Not just a little here, not just a little there. All sufficiency in all things. 
Please, I am not trying to talk about me. But I don't lack anything. It is the craziest. I have, so, I have such a great life, I'm, I'm almost bored. <laughs> I'm not, because i got all you calling me and asking me questions and stuff. <laughs> I'm not bored, almost, I said. But I'm telling you, there is something about this. All sufficiency in all things. That I believe this is a generation that will believe without limits. That will love God without measure. And I'm not saying just an age group. I'm saying a time, a period of time. Yes, it is definitely in this younger generation. That hurts like crazy to say that. I thought that was me. There is something. Don't squelch it. Learn from it. Don't squelch it. Learn from it. Help guide it. Help lead it. However God calls you to. There's wisdom in our generations. (laughs) That hurts too. (laughs) But I'm telling you, they got all the energy. They got all the zest. Faith hadn't been beaten out of them yet. They haven't stopped dreaming. They do believe that God can do all things. That everything's possible. They do believe that. And when they begin to tell you crazy stuff, don't tell them why that won't happen. Begin to talk about being led by the Spirit of God. And what is God speaking to you in your heart? That's what you begin to speak to. That's what you begin to teach. Don't teach them your ways. Don't teach them the way that God did it in your life. That was 50 years ago. God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. But I am telling you what. God does things a little differently now maybe than he did then. I'm not saying he's not going to do it the same way, the different way. I'm just telling you, he has, the, he has the ability to do it a different way. He told Moses to talk to the rock the second time, not hit it with a stick. Now, he hit it with a stick, and the same thing happened. So I am telling you what, some of the things that you've been through, you begin to guide and you begin to lead in that direction. That may be the way that it goes right now. Listening to a John Maxwell podcast, he began to talk about, you know what, all the books that I wrote on leadership, they're, they're, they're not obsolete, but most, most of them don't work anymore. And he said, I, this is John Maxwell, the master of leadership that for the last 20 years, the world, not just the body of Christ, but the world has come to him and said, teach us about leadership. And he has sat down and said, yeah, you know, I mean, the truths are truth, but I'm just telling you right now that people are different and you have to do it a little differently. And I am learning in my life to do things differently. It was almost heresy. I almost threw my iPod out the window. But then I began to pray, began to ask God, and I, I began to realize, yeah, it's true. This is a new generation that will dare to believe without limits. If you dare to believe the impossible, you will see the miraculous, no doubt. Don't measure your, don't have a measure mentality. There is no beginning, no middle, no end to God, his power, his authority, or his ability in your life. Ephesians 3.20 says he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or what? Think. Then think big. yeah there's hope for your marriage yeah there's hope for your kids yeah there's hope for your job yeah there's hope for your finances yeah there's hope for your for your health yeah there's hope for your life why because without hope you don't have any faith so you better have some hope faith is the substance of things what hope for and i believe this truly and i think sometimes we have to get around this and wrap our mind around this because we don't always Enjoy it. 
But realize this. We have to be able to dare to worship without limits. Generation of worshipers, man. Get online. What's that group, honey? In Georgia, that college group, what is that thing they just had? What was it called? They just, they, you watched it. They broadcast it live. It was all the, the college-age kids down in Georgia. There's 45,000. Passion. Passion down in Atlanta. There's 45,000 college-age kids. They raised like, I don't even know how many millions of dollars, one or two million dollars or whatever is a million bucks. I can't remember how much it was. It was, it was outrageous crazy. College kids, I'm telling you, they're turned on. You know what they did? They worshiped. They worshiped. There's something about worship. And if you're not sure what to do or what to put on some music and begin to worship, I'm not talking about putting on something that's just Christian music. <laughs> worship. Worship. I'm a big Jeremy Camp fan. Some of the stuff I can worship to, some of it I can't. His new albums, a bunch of songs that we do. And I like that. What do you do? Worship. In 2 Kings, in chapter 3. Elijah was speaking. I'm running out of time and I got about six hours more stuff to share with you. <laughs> Just bear with me. It's going to be good. Elijah said in verse 15, but now bring me a what? A musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. That it happened when the hand of the Lord came upon him. Or when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. See, will you sing? Will you leap? Will you clap? Will you raise your hands? Will you dance? Not the Dougie. Whatever that thing is that Carter does in the living room that I don't understand. My body doesn't work that way. See, Saul's daughter and David. David was dancing in the streets and she looked down and she looked down disgusted. Why? Because he was praising God and dancing. And he didn't care what people thought. And you know what? That bothered her. Why? Because Saul hated worship. Saul threw the javelin <laughs> at the musician. He didn't like worship. And she was his seed. And it says when she looked down upon him like that and just went, oh my gosh. She became barren. Don't look down on worship. Don't come in here and say one more song. One more song, yay. <laughs> We're not going to worship for two hours. <laughs> Unless God says, Eeyore. Last year at the end of the year, I began to read this book. It's called Sun Stand Still, written by Stephen Furtick. He's a young guy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I haven't met him personally. But, he, but he's a guy who packed up his house, his belongings, and his stuff with 12 families and drove to North Carolina because God said, go start a church. And he said, why Charlotte? There's already 1,000 churches in Charlotte. Why in the world would you send me here? There's a lot of other places where you could send me, God. I just want to serve you. I just want to do what you called me to do. I just want to be the pastor that you called me to be. I've, you've shown me great things, and I'm going to give you my whole life, and we'll go, but why Charlotte? And all of a sudden now he's gone from 12 families in a handful of years to 10,000-some people, and it's just, it just continues to multiply and to change and to grow because he prayed a prayer one day that said God I need you to let the sun stand still that time will not run out in my life before I do all that you called me to do and we're going to take about three or four weeks over the next couple about the next month and talk about this 
We'll order a bunch of these books. They'll be around here. I encourage you to read them. I gave them to the staff at our staff dinner at Christmas time. I've never done that before. It was a little audacious on my part to give somebody a book because I, you know, I just kind of keep it to myself. But I couldn't keep it to myself anymore because I believe it's for us. I do, I do, I do, I do. And if you want it, get it. If you don't, you'll be left behind. I'm just telling you. I'm just, I, you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it any differently. I don't know how to put it out there any differently. This isn't about just some pie in the sky thing that you want to be like somebody else, or you want to do this, or you want to do that. This is talking about the thing that God's told you. See, this is talking about you taking the limits of the thing off, taking taking off the limits of the things that God spoke to you, not what He spoke to Dan or what He spoke over here to Pam or anybody else. But take the limits off of what God spoke to you. And if you'll, like it says in Joshua, God told Joshua. He said, you're going you're gonna to annihilate the enemy. There won't be one man left standing in all of the enemy as you go out. And he began to fight, and they began to see victory, and people began to, to be slaughtered as he kind of went out, and that's the way, they, that's the way they, they went about their business then. So he was out there doing those things, and he looked up, and the sun was getting ready to go down, and he realized there were still people here. There were still people in the, in the valley. There were still people that, that God hadn't done what he said he would do yet, that he didn't have the strength and the time to get it all done. So he had this audacious thought to tell God. He said he prayed a prayer. He said, let the sun stand still and don't move not because i need more time to have more money not because i need more time with my kids but because i need more time to do what god called me to do to see what he told me was going to be seen stand still that's without measure that's who we are i'm just telling And as he spoke that, it said the sun stood still, the moon stood still, everybody stopped. Why? Because God loves you so much, he wants to accomplish what he told you he'd accomplish. But he needs somebody to have the audacity to stand up and say, God, I'm doing everything you called me to do. It's still not enough. I need the sun to stand still. I believe it's for this church. Now, if he goes out and does something stupid, he won't. He goes out and does something crazy. That doesn't nullify the word that he wrote in his book. Because the word is the word of God. It doesn't nullify what God did. See, it might nullify his ability to to participate. But it doesn't nullify what the word of God did and what God said. Too many times in the body of Christ because one person screwed up. We, we discount all the good things that God did. That's measured. See, just because somebody did a horrible thing, we stop reading the truth. Don't read their crazy new book, but maybe something they spoke in their old book was still true. It's the Word of God. It says you know them by their fruit. Don't discount what God did because you did something crazy last week. You don't want to be discounted, do you? I really truly believe and am believing and am praying you pray along with me because this includes you. Over the next few weeks, I'll begin to just share some things. They'll come out. I'm just believing that God shares some stuff with us. I I believe, you know, we have in this, this church right now, I don't know how many people, But in attendance on Sundays, we're 340 to 380, 90, somewhere in there, just depending on the Sunday, man. 
but we'll have 500 here, I believe, if we'll live this way. If we'll live this way. There may be people who flock in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, but I'm telling you what, you are the biggest billboard of what God is doing at Victor Christian Center in this community. I didn't plan this. I didn't come up with this message before I came up with the field, but I will tell you this. If you'll get out in the field, we won't have to worry about What we're going to have to worry about is where we're going to put them all. As God spoke to me about a third service, I continued to tell him why that isn't going to happen. God, do you know that's just not, that's just not a possibility? Now, it hurts, and I've repented. But I sure don't want to thank God I capped what you wanted to do here because I didn't want to go to a third service. I didn't want to inconvenience anybody because you're about to do something in the lives of the people who are around here. 500 people is not that much. That's another, that's another 50 seats, 60 seats, both service. Go to three services, that's just another service. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just telling you. And after 500 is 1,000. You say, well, we don't want to see. Here's what you do. Well, we don't have a building. We don't have a place to put them. Stop measuring God. Holy moly, get on board. Huh? If God says move, move. Who are we to say to God, I don't want to grow? That's not true. But we'll have to take the limits off. And we'll have to renew our mind. Romans 12.2 says you'll change your life. You'll be transformed completely by your renewing of, the, of your mind to the word. Now listen, we talk about this in growth. I've always taught this out of growth in my own personal life. I teach this in growth out of your life and revelation to the word of God. If you want your life to be different, change the way you think about it. Get the med- Meditate the word. Know what the word says. Begin to meditate those things because you'll constantly head after your most predominant thought in your life. So begin to do that. Begin to head that direction. Begin to think those thoughts. But what about this? What if God says, you know what? Forget about the way it was going on yesterday and now renew your mind to my word because I want to do something a little different in your life. See, what about renewing your mind means forget about all the stuff. Don't forget about the truth. Don't forget about the revelation. But forget about how God did it. Forget about what God did. What that does is it allows you to see him in a new way that doesn't have any limits on it. And he's telling you a new thing. And he's going to do a new way. And you're going to have a great blessing in your life because you've decided, you know what, God? I'm not going to put a cap on you anymore. I'm not going to put a limit on you. I know you did it like that last week, but you may do something a little different this week churches are growing and exploding all over this country you can say this country is in a mess and it's going the wrong direction and you can take that however you want but i will tell you this there are churches that are growing all over the place in this in this country and we we truly i believe we are one of those churches that will explode and continue to grow i always put a cap on god and said god this is lafayette I mean, really, truly, there's 135,000 people in Purdue's in session in this community, in this county. I mean, come on, God, what can we hope for? (laughs) I began to tell him what percentages were, began to tell him how many people that means, and began to say, it's this and it's that. God just began to die. I'm sure to throw his hands up and say, oh, you'll get it someday, son. I think I got it. Stand up with me, if you will.
We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.